Turn to Proverbs chapter 12. Proverbs chapter 12. We move from slavery this morning to neighbors and friends. Proverbs 12, I want to read to get a little bit of the context here. I want to read verses 24 through 27 of Proverbs 12 to start us off tonight. Verse 24, the hand of the diligent will rule, but the slack hand will be put to forced labor. Anxiety in a man's heart weighs it down, but a good word makes it glad. The righteous is a guide to his neighbor, but the way of the wicked leads them astray. A lazy man does not roast his prey, but the precious possession of a man is diligence. Let's pray. Our Father in God, once again, we count it a privilege to open the Word of God, to study the Word of God. We thank you for the practicality uh, that it has, not only in giving us your instruction, but helping us to understand uh, so that we can apply it in everyday life and uh, that it deals with the circumstances of life. And we thank you for this particular book and the wisdom that it gives us. And we pray that that would continue to happen as we continue to go through the book of Proverbs. And once again, we would pray for our teens tonight and the startup of the programs that are going on there and the plans that they have. And I pray that this would be the beginning again of an exciting ministry and growth that will happen both spiritually and even with numbers as the uh, leaders uh, begin to guide and direct in that area. So thank you for this opportunity now. We pray your blessing as we study the word of God together. We pray in Christ's name. Amen. I've entitled it tonight, uh, as you see in your bulletin, Neighborly Advice. Neighborly Advice. Last week, we started into our study of wisdom in Proverbs, dealing with the social life of our, our believer, our, our social life. And uh, is there instruction in the book of Proverbs that's practical to that aspect of our life? And we said yes. And we talked about our social life, we defined it, and I want to just repeat uh, for just a few minutes, a little review here. We defined the concept as friendships, as companions, as associates, as neighbors. And that's what you'll find when it deals with the concept of friendship, when it deals with the concept of neighbors, when it deals with the concept of our companions our associates. It is dealing with our social life and how we are to handle that and how we are to address that. And it's something that affects every single one of us. And we can always use some practical instruction and some wisdom that certainly comes from above. How do we live with them? How do we live with our associates? How do we live with our friends and, and companions? Well, last week we spent the entire message on choosing them wisely. We ought to choose our friends wisely, we saw. And that, and I know that the young people are in the other room tonight, but I think there was some real practical advice for the adults and also for the young people in this. We need to take our time in choosing our friends wisely. And we noted last week one of the most common verses that is used is misunderstood where it talks about, uh, in some of the English translations, 
If you want to be, have friends, you've got to make yourself friendly. That is not the way that verse really reads. We talked about that last week. The concept is if you have many friends, watch out. Because the concept is there in that proverb that really you're better off with one or two very close friends that you can rely on than an abundance of friends. Because an abundance of friends will bring you trouble. It will bring you trouble. And why is that? Because what we talked about last week was we want to choose our friends wisely because they will, not might. There's no maybe here. It's not selected few. All of us. They will have an impact and influence our character. Your friends and my friends will have an impact on our character. And that is also true for our young people. And they need to see that. Who they spend their time with, who they decide to have close to them, will influence the way they live. It will influence their life. It will in influence their decisions. It will influence our decisions. It will influence our actions. Who will? Those that we spend our time with, quote unquote, as friends. And we dealt very briefly with, however I hope effectively, with the fact that we're not talking about Facebook friends. Because you might have 345 Facebook friends or 3,000 or whatever the num number is. And I'm just using Facebook as an example. But are they really friends? We're talking about friends. We're talking about somebody that's close. We're talking about somebody that we can have a confidence in. And uh, we're talking about it at that realm. Tonight we want to bridge a little bit between where we left off and into the concept of neighbors. Neighbors. Again, realizing as we talked last week, it is people near us, friends, associates, neighbors, those who are close by. And in the passage that I opened up in, in reading tonight, uh, what we're really dealing with, and we'll get into close friendship again tonight, but we're dealing with the fact that we are to shine as lights to them. Whether it be a friend, a close friend, or a neighbor, we are called by God to also, and we will, impact their life, and hopefully, as we saw even this morning, be attracting people to the gospel, the things of God, and not away from them. If you look at the heart of it, which is really the verse I wanted to kind of have a center on, but it's important to look around it, in verse 26, it says, the righteous is a guide to his neighbor. To his neighbor. I like the way Walke, particularly, and he is known for his writings on particularly the book of Psalms and the book of Proverbs. Uh, his depth, if any of you are familiar with Kyle Delich in the Old Testament and uh, his depth that he can get into, uh, on the Old Testament books. That's the type of man that Walke is with the Psalms and Proverbs. And he translates this word neighbor as confidential friend because he, as he brings out the Hebrew word as he goes through it and really the depth. I mean, he spends paragraph after paragraph after paragraph with it. He's saying that this word really is the concept of a confidential friend. And I tried to put it in some other language and he did a little bit. In other words, someone who is close, a close friend, someone who is a personal advisor was his word, a personal advisor. Uh, it would be somebody, I don't think we use these terms anymore, but you think of a bosom friend who would be, be called a bosom friend, or uh, think of a wedding, the best man at a wedding, that one which is close, they're special to you. That is the concept here. 
And it said the righteous is a guide to that type of person. We have an impact on them. And uh, it's someone that you really trust, someone that you really trust, someone that would uh, go out of their way for your best interest. That's what we're talking about. So when it's talking about neighbor, this isn't necessarily just somebody that lives next door. And that's why I read the context, because again, you see how carefully, first of all, we ought to choose them. Because if you go back to 24, and most commentaries that I've consulted with would agree that 24 through 27, some would include 28, is all one. Remember when I design, uh, talked about how Proverbs is constructed, I would say that at least 24 to 27, possibly through 28, all go together. And you'll see that it's talking about someone who is diligent. They're not slack. They are a hard worker in verse 24. In verse 25, it talks about the importance of speech, and it really deals with anxiety in the heart. It does weigh us down. We understand that. There's practical application there. But a good word is what makes it bad. It makes it glad. We can encourage people. And we're looking for that type of friend when we're talking about an expansion on last week to choose our friends. It's someone that's hardworking, and we should look for that even as adults. Someone who, when you listen to their speech, you don't go away from them with your head down. You understand what I mean there? Have you ever done that? You're talking with somebody, and you go away from the conversation, and you feel miserable because you've been in their presence. That's not the way to choose a close friend. You ought to be able to walk away, and when you say, I've talked to that person, that was encouraging. And in the middle of trials, that was encouraging. And, and that's what it's talking about. And then if you look at, again, verse 27, it talks a lazy man doesn't even rest his prey, but someone is diligent in the possession. So it's dealing with that type of person when it's talking about neighbor, even if you couldn't catch that that I referred to in its definition. Because as it all goes together, it's talking about that type of person. It's a diligent person. It's talking about the person that's an encouraging. And then it says in verse 26, right in the heart of it, that what happens is your life is to be a guide to them. Your life is to be an encouragement to them. It is to shine as a light, is the way I put it. And so as we choose our friends, not only are we to be careful about it and how they influence us, but we are influenced by them. I didn't get a chance. I'm not done with this yet. But I did want to use two examples for you that I know you're familiar with on how we need to be careful with our quote unquote friends or companions. And so you see the other uses of the word. Think of Samson, for example. Go with me to 1 Samuel 14. Samuel, of the two examples, he's probably the one that would not come to our mind. But in 1 Samuel, I'm sorry, Judges. I want uh, Samson, but I, I want to go to Judges. I said uh, Judges 14, I'm sorry. Getting a little ahead of myself. Judges chapter 14. All right, in Judges chapter 14, now, what do we mean by friends and so forth? Look, in verse 12, uh, 11, let me say 11, um, you notice this, that when talking about Samson, it says, when they saw him, they brought 30 companions, or friends, or neighbors, to be with him. 
This is in the situation where Samson has his marriage. He's involved in this riddle with them, and it backfires, but I want you to follow it through. Go down to verse 20 of chapter 14. Watch. But Samson's wife was given to his companion, who had been, watch, his friend. It says there in English. And some would translate that his best man. That's why I ended up using what I did. Uh, in in uh, my explanation tonight. And I'm sure you're familiar with the situation in Judges where these people, they just went after his wife, his wife, his wife to try to get him to find out this riddle uh, that was going on. And they're referred to as companions and friends, but they weren't good ones. If you go to chapter 15, just a couple of verses, look at verse 2. Her father said, I really thought that you had hated her intensely. This is when Samson went away. Watch. So I gave her to your companion, nice companion, nice friend here. What happened? He ended up taking her as his wife. Uh, is not her younger sister more beautiful? And he's trying to say to Samson, go get her. No. This was Samson's wife that was given over to his what? Friend or companion. Look at verse 6. Then it says, the Philistines said, who did this? Who did what? The foxes releasing. Remember, they ran through the grain, and all this fire happened. And he says, as it goes on, Samson, the son-in-law of the Timnite, because he took his wife and gave her to his friend or companions. These are not good friends that, quote, unquote, Samuel had. He thought he was a close friend. He really wasn't a close friend. He was one that took his wife. He should have had enough sense to even, while Samson was gone, to say no. I can't do this. That's not, this is my friend. Another one that I know you would be familiar with is Rehoboam. Go with me to 1 Kings chapter 12. 1 Kings chapter 12. This also could have application to advice, obviously. And I won't read the whole thing. But 1 Kings chapter 12. This is when the kingdom is going to be divided. Now, God prophesied that it would. You know the story. It says in verse 1, then Rehoboam went to uh, Shechem, uh, for all the uh, Israel had come to Shechem to make him king, and you go on and read, and uh, he's going to be king, and what happens, he says in verse 4, your father made uh, our yoke hard, now therefore lighten the hard uh, service of your father and his heavy yoke, which is which he had put on us, and we will serve you. He says, come back in three days, verse 6. Rehoboam consults with the elders, and you know the advice. Give them good words. Speak to them good words, verse 7. And uh, you know what? They'll grow up and they'll serve you. Then he goes to his friends, verse 8. But he forsook the counsel of the elders, which they had given him, and consulted with the young men whom he grew up with, his buddies and with him, and served him. And so what happened? So he said to them, what counsel do you give? And they basically said, make it worse. You know the story. And he did. What did he do? He was impacted by his quote-unquote friends. He was impacted by his friends. So again, just two biblical examples, so I didn't leave that hanging for you, <clears throat> that show that we ought to choose our friends wisely and to know what type of people it is that we're spending our time on. But in this particular proverb that we're in, chapter 12, we're saying that we ought to be a light to them. Turn with me to Philippians chapter 2 for one minute. 
Philippians chapter 2. We should be just as much an impact on our friends as they are on us. We saw last week from the New Testament that we need to choose our companions wisely because if we are with bad companions, they will corrupt our morals. And so don't use it as a testimony. Well, they're good friends and I want to influence them if they are already bad companions with morals that aren't the standard that we should be. However, in Philippians 2, verses 14 to 16, <clears throat> it says, do all things without grumbling and disputing. Why? So that you might prove yourselves to be blameless and innocent. Children of God, above reproach, and here it is, in the midst of a crooked and perverse nation. They may be that way, but we are to shine as lights. Here it is. Among whom you appear as lights in the world, holding fast the word of life, so that in the day of Christ, I will have reason to glory because I did not run in vain nor toil in vain. Now, I don't want to confuse you on that. I know that that's dealing with the world and our light before them. And you were talking about choosing friends and being careful. Yes, but I want you to get to see that we ought to be a light. And that is even true with our closest friends. As they will impact us, we ought to be a light to them. We ought to be a light to the world. And so back in Proverbs there, the righteous is a guide to his neighbor. As believers in Christ, those who are our close friends, we should be a guide to them. We should be a light to them. Impact them for the glory of God. Now, again, dealing with neighbors, before I go any further, it would be appropriate, obviously, to say a couple of things here. Now, if you are not a close friend, or you're trying to define how is a close friend, or who is my friend, biblically, who is my acquaintance, who is my neighbor, who qualifies for that, obviously, we can't do that without addressing Luke chapter 10. So let's just briefly touch upon that. Go to Luke chapter 10 because that was a question. Luke chapter 10, then we'll go back to Proverbs. We talk about those that live near us, those that are acquaintances, those that are our neighbors. Who really is our neighbor? Wasn't that what was raised? In uh, Luke chapter 10, pick it up in verse 25. <clears throat> Lawyer stood up, put to him to test him, saying, Teacher, what shall we do to inherit eternal life? And he said unto him, What is written in the law? How do you read it? He answered and said, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, he says, with all your soul, with all your strength, and with all your mind, and your neighbor as yourself. Interesting. And he said to him, uh, You have answered correctly. Do this and you will live. And then he comes up with this question. Wish, wishing to justify himself, he said to Jesus, and who is my neighbor? And then we have the parable of the Good Samaritan. I won't read it all, but it starts off. Jesus replied and said, a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho, fell upon robbers, and they stripped him, they beat him, they went his way, uh, leaving him half dead. And then you know the story. Uh, one person comes by, then uh, a religious leader comes by, they ignore him, but a Samaritan comes by and he basically takes care of him. So who would we say is our neighbor? Just those that live next door? As I mentioned last week, neighborhoods have changed tremendously. We don't even know our neighbors half the time. We don't talk about them. We don't spend time in their house or there in ours like we used to years ago. So who is it? 
It is those, if we use the definition that we looked at last week, somebody nearby, it is those we come in contact with. Who is our neighbor? Who are we to love? <clears throat> it is anyone that we come in contact with in the course of our day. Like who? Those that we live near? Yes. If you have people that are next door to you, across the street from you, yeah, sure, there's, they're neighbors, they are nearby. They are people that God wants us to love. What about the people we work with? Yes. Those are people that God has brought across our, across our path that are near unto our life. What about those that we see at social events? Some of you have your children involved in athletic events or other events, and you go to them and you meet them. Yes. Those are not our close friends, as we talked last week, but they are acquaintances. They are our neighbors. Those that you might meet during the day. Where? Anywhere. This Samaritan came along and they, he did not even expect to meet this man. But God had presented him with an opportunity to love his neighbor. To love the person that was in the vicinity and brought into the pathway of that individual and to show that person the love of God. And so when we're talking about social, we're talking about the opportunity, who are we to love? <clears throat> I would challenge all of us, starting with myself in the pulpit, that in the course of a day, even beyond those that are living in the houses next to us, God is bringing across our path people that are nigh unto us, that are near unto us, that we have an opportunity to love, to show the love of Christ to, not to ignore, not to even criticize, not to even come down on. Uh, and I don't think he's, and to put it in perspective, I think the idea is, you know, sometimes you hear these, you see these commercials on TV or you hear about people want to raise funds because there's these uh, families over in third world countries, for example, and if you just send us $10, we can take care of that. I think there's a place for that. But those people aren't near us. They are a distance away. And the easiest thing for a Christian to do is write out a check and send it there. There's no other effect. The harder thing is to have someone near you or cross your path who's hurting. I talked to somebody recently, and they were talking about a boy. And this boy they were talking about had a very difficult life, and no one could talk with him. And this person had an opportunity, is a believer, had the opportunity to just talk about the person and what was going on, and it has now opened up a relationship where this person has the opportunity to minister to this boy who's had a very, very difficult childhood. And the person, that boy, hasn't opened up to anybody else. That's a neighbor that came across a Christian's path that they had the opportunity to minister and show God's love to so that they might maybe ask about the gospel. This young boy that I understand has not come to know Christ yet, but there's an opportunity to love them, just like the Samaritan did with that person that he didn't even know. There are people that come across our path that we could help maybe financially, maybe physically, maybe other ways, or even by a spoken word that God brings across our path. That is what he wants us to do. Help that person that is close by us. To help that person and encourage them in the things 
of God. How are we to treat them? Obviously, we ought to love them. And that is repeated over and over. I won't go to the Matthew passage, which is close, but go with me to Romans chapter 13. Romans chapter 13. Helping our neighbor. We'll go back in just a second to Proverbs. But go to Romans chapter 13. How well are we doing at this? You know, and men's meeting we had, we talked about Saturday morning just how busy we all are and, and we, even in Christianity, get just caught up in busyness and really don't even take the time to just desire God and be alone with God the way we should even as men. And it's also true with this. We can be so busy that we have very little time to even notice when there's opportunity to talk to people. And to make it practical, for example, myself, as I have opportunity to come in contact with referees, with other school officials, those are neighbors that are sent my way. Yes, they're not close acquaintances. Understand that. But people that come across my path, and there are others that come across your path. Romans chapter 13, just a couple of verses here. Verses 9 and 10, and then one other New Testament passage. Watch this. Verse 9, it says, he goes back to that commandment. He goes back, he says, you shall love uh, for this, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not murder, you shall not steal, you shall not covet. And if there is any other commandment, it is summed up in this saying, what? You shall love your neighbor as yourself. Love does no wrong to his neighbor. Therefore, love is the fulfillment of law. You want to fulfill the law of Christ, you won't do wrong. Maybe it is to the person living next to you but it's also to the person. It's the same thing we talked about that we found in Romans 12 this morning. We don't overcome evil with evil. We overcome evil with good. And it says the same thing in Galatians chapter 5. But let's go back to Proverbs, and let's go to Proverbs 3. So how do we treat our neighbor? We are to love them, yes. How does that love work itself out? We should look for ways to even help them, to minister to them since we're supposed to be a light to them. You know, I know that uh, some of you probably still do this. I know we've done it a few times, even in our neighborhood, but somebody moves into the neighborhood and we used to go over and bring them something to eat. Now, if you do that, they probably can't even trust that you're giving them something to eat that's gonna keep them alive, the way our society thinks. But there was that friendliness and, and you could do things like that. There are ways we are to help in Proverbs chapter 3, verses 27 through 30, take a look. Do not hold, withhold good from those to whom it is due. When it is in your power to do it. Do, look, do not say to your neighbor, go and come back. And tomorrow, I'll take care of you tomorrow when you have it with you. Very simply, by the way, what those verses are dealing with is the fact if so, you see somebody, and that would go for Christians as well, but you see somebody that has a need and you can meet that right now, you don't have to walk away. I need to pray about this. Uh, I'll get back to you. Take care of it now. This is the opportunity that God's given you. And then he goes on. He says, verse 29, Do not devise harm against your neighbor while he lives securely beside you. Do not contend with a man without cause. If he's done you no harm, and that would not only be your next door neighbor, 
but those that have come across your path. Somebody's not looking to do you harm and you just see them. They happen to be an acquaintance. They happen to be an opportunity. And there is a way of meeting that need. You need to use wisdom. Of course you do. But don't turn them away. Don't wait till later. Have you ever done that? Even another believer, you know that there's a need. And you know you could meet it right now. But if you meet that need, you can't go buy that sub that you just wanted to buy that you need for lunch. Do you need that lunch that bad? When you see somebody that's in dire straits and really has that need before you, it might not be physical food that they need. Here is your chance is the point. While they're in your presence, proverb, don't withhold that good when it's now in your power to meet that need that is there. And by the way, we can't meet every need. It's true, as Christians, sometimes we have situations that come across our path and people present this and you look at it and you say, boy, that's a legitimate cause. And you look at this and that's a legitimate cause. And you look at this and that's a legitimate cause. We can't meet them all. No, you can't. But there are situations that God brings right in front of you that you could meet very quietly and not let the right hand know what the left hand's doing and meet that need and show the love of Christ. That's what we should be doing when God presents that opportunity right in front of us. And the second thing that I want to connect with this before we move on to anything else is found in Proverbs 25. Would you turn there for a second? Proverbs 25. Talking about neighbors. And I would say that this probably does really apply to people that live right next to us. Proverbs 25, 17. Let your foot rarely be in your neighbor's house. See, see that, Pastor Dan? I'm glad. I never visit my neighbor. See, and it says don't get there. I don't think that's really what it means. Why? Oh, he will become weary of you and hate you. By the way, we have New Testament examples of that. That's the people that go from house to house and gossip. You don't think I'm, you think I'm kidding? I'm not going to turn there. Go to Thessalonians and take a good look at it. And in fact, it did talk about women who were doing that. They had so much time on their hand, that's what they were doing. And they were spending time in areas they shouldn't. What's it talking about, verse 17? Let your foot, foot really be in your neighbor's house, or he will become weary. Don't be always, I'll try to make it practical, don't always be borrowing. You know, there's people that, I'll give it very bluntly, there's sometimes people have a lot of money in the bank, and they need tools, and I'm not talking one tool, but they go to the neighbor because they never want to buy anything. And they're borrowing every single one of the neighbor's tools on and on and on it goes. What happens? They get weary of you coming for that tool. Or visiting. You're always going over and spending time in their house. That's the idea. It's not saying don't go. It's not saying don't spend time with them. Basically, don't be a bother where you're always going to them. And it's interesting if you compare to verse 16, again, the context, um, have you found honey? Eat only that which you need, that you not vomit, that you, excuse me, not have it in excess and vomit it. That is connected to verse 17. That's why it helps you explain it. It's saying you have found honey, that's good. That's okay. But don't take so much that you end up getting sick over it. It's the same thing with a neighbor. Don't get to the point where you are such a bother to your neighbor, they don't even want to see you come. 
And you know, if I can make it real practical, sometimes that can happen with witnessing. Wow. What do you mean by that, Pastor Dan? I'm just stop witnessing? No. But is that all your neighbor gets from you? Is the gospel, the gospel, the gospel, the gospel, the gospel, and then you never meet some of their physical needs? You never, I'm just trying to make it practical, you never uh, go over there just to see how you can help them or what you can do for them? You see? We, don't we have the responsibility, Pastor Dan, first of the gospel? Yeah, but do you know anyone that knows that of you? I don't want to see that person again. Why? That's all they get from you. Never. And yet, when they did have legitimate needs, you either didn't help them or you're spending too much time with them. That's what it's dealing with. How do we treat our neighbors? Again, I think we choose them wisely, but we need to take that step. That's from friendship, bridging it to neighbors. We need to see that it's not just the people that live next door. That is part of it. But God brings, brings people across our path every single day, every single day, that we have opportunity to minister to in the name of Christ. We have opportunity and, in some cases, the ability to meet a need that they have. Now, we need to do it wisely. I understand that. And to be very, again, I hope practical. When I was a teenager, uh, it was not uncommon to hitchhike from here, anywhere, really. But for me, it was to hitchhike from here to the beach. I mean, that was a big thing, you know? I mean, I wasn't gonna walk that far. And I can remember times I'd get out there, stick out my thumb, and I'd get a ride from here to Haverhill, then I'd get a ride from Haverhill to Merrimack, and Merrimack, or if I really was fortunate, I might get a ride all the way to the beach, or whatever. We, we would hitchhike. Well, I wouldn't advise, for example, that you're riding down the pike in 2013 and you just see some character out there with their thumb out that you might pick them up. But you just said, meet their need. No, no, as God gives opportunity, you might be able to if you judge a situation. You came across it and there was a, a flat tire and somebody and you looked at the circumstance, it didn't look rigged, it didn't look, there's a family there or a, a mother. I mean, you, you have to use judgment. But there are opportunities, so we need to be wise. But my point is, whether it be at work, whether it be at a social event, whether it be right in your immediate living quarters, God gives us opportunities to reach out and be a light to those who are around us. And it is important that we, through meeting some of their needs, when we have the ability, when we have the opportunity to take advantage of that. I think I'll stop here tonight. I want to talk a little bit. I did talk about not being overbearing. But to give you a little uh, look ahead, we'll talk about don't be gossiping about your neighbor. Don't be always putting them down. And more than that, when there's a problem between you and your neighbor, guess what you're supposed to do? Take care of it right away. Just like you are supposed to do with believers. You take care of it right away. You don't let it go on and on. We'll see that out of the book of Proverbs, Lord willing, as we continue to move on this year. Let's close in a word of prayer for tonight. Father in God, I thank you and praise you for the word of God. We might have the same question and maybe even a little confusion. What is our neighbor? Well, we need to choose those that are close friends carefully, realizing that they will impact our life as we saw last week. We also to have an impact on their lives. 
And then you bring across our path those that might be in our neighborhood or vicinity at work, in our social events, in our activities with our children, in which we have an opportunity to be a light of the gospel and sometimes even meet the needs of those folks. Help us to be sensitive. Help us to remember an example like the Lord at the well. The disciples were busy. They wouldn't even talk with this woman. But Father, the Lord knew that he would lead her to an understanding spiritually, but met her socially and even was there to talk about water and then living water. Father, we pray that you'd help us to be alert to those that you bring across our path. When we have the ability to meet a need, to meet it. Yes, with wisdom, but Father, to meet that need and to be a help and then to point people to Christ. Thank you for this opportunity. We pray you give us guidance throughout the week now. Help us to live for you. We ask this in Christ's name. Amen.